Welcome to Bulletproof, the podcast where you'll hear from people just like you who have dreams and ambitions. These people all win no matter how hard the times. They never quit or give up. That's why we call them Bulletproof. And now, here's the creator and host of Bulletproof, Mr. Bob Coleman. Welcome to Bulletproof, the podcast, where I explore stories of individuals who have achieved incredible success through determination, hard work, and perseverance. My guests have overcome obstacles and faced challenges head on to reach their goal and create a life that they really love. Whether you're an entrepreneur or someone who simply wants to live life to the fullest, this podcast is for you. Join me as I dive into the journeys of my guests and discover the insights, strategies, and inspiration that has propelled them into their greatness. It's time to get bulletproof. Welcome, everybody. I'm Bob Coleman, and as you guys know, I'm always excited to be a part of the Bulletproof Podcast, and today is no exception. Before we jump into the meat of the uh, podcast today, I want to remind you guys that you can go bulletproof each and every Friday morning. We do a 30-minute bulletproof training. People call in from different cities all over the country. It's a lot of fun. So again, check us out each and every Friday morning, 253-993-3111. And you too can be bulletproof. Guys, I am so excited today. I want to welcome to the Bulletproof Podcast today, Mr. Mel Stalker. Hello, sir. Bob, it's great to be here. You know, it's always good to share a story because through great stories, people get great things. Absolutely. Well, welcome to the Bulletproof Podcast, sir. And uh, I always start by allowing my guests to introduce themselves to the Bulletproof audience. So go right ahead. Well, my name is Mel Stalker. I am born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I have uh, owned my own personal training business and sports instruction business for a couple of years now. Um, it's something that I continue to do at this moment. Um, I currently live in two cities, so I'm between Tucson, Arizona, which I do my baseball and softball lessons there at DBAT Tucson. And then I also live in Des Moines, Iowa, in which I do a lot of my instruction and personal training over at Diamond Sports Academy. Trainer extraordinaire. Now, you, Mel, you've done something that I think every young man at one time in our lives, we all fantasize about doing. I know me and my brother did growing up in Chicago. We had fantasies about being these great, famous athletes, and, and it was baseball. I wanted to be a baseball player as a kid. You know, I wanted to play with the Chicago Cubs and all that great stuff, but you actually did it. What are some of the uh, teams you played with? I was uh, blessed enough to be drafted by the Kansas City Royals back in the 16th round in 2001. Um, I played with the Royals for five and a half years there, and then I was in independent league for a year, which means it was not associated with any organization. But then I was then quickly picked up by the Milwaukee Brewers, in which I made it to the majors with them, played two seasons with that organization. My final season was with the Seattle Mariners. Wow. What position did you play? I was the utility guy. I was actually originally drafted as an outfielder, but my first two seasons were spent as an infielder under the tutelage of people like uh, Frank White. Um, and uh, then they realized that, hey, this guy has way too much range to be sitting in the infield. Why doesn't he play outfield? Um, and then they uh, decided, you know what, let's try him in the outfield. And, of course, uh, from there, I just pretty much played the outfield all the way up until my last days. That had to be incredible, man. I'm going to take a selfish moment for a minute. I, I really and truly am because that's something as a kid that I would imagine doing and 
being a baseball player. I got to ask you, Mel, how did it feel, man, when you walked out there on that field in the major leagues for the first time? What was that like? I tell you what, my heart dropped at first because, uh, you know, I just came from being in Birmingham, Alabama, in which we probably maybe had two to 4,000 people sitting there. So day one for me, walking into Milwaukee for the first time and being in a closed stadium and having close to 40,000 people sitting in that stadium, um, it was a humbling experience. You know, one of the biggest things is, is as a kid, you dream about that every single day. And then, of course, when you walk out onto the field and you just see the atmosphere in itself and realize, like, man, I, I made it. Um, all those years of hard work really paid off. And I, it literally, my time that I spent there felt like Christmas every day. I'm pretty sure it did. And that's the way it felt for me when I would go to the radio station every day. I couldn't believe, you know, for it took me a while to say, man, is this really happening every day? I get to go on the radio and, and play music and meet these celebrities. And, and you know, it was just an incredible. So I, I, I can imagine that it was the same way for you being uh, a, a, a National League football, I mean, baseball player. That had to be incredible, man. Oh, it was definitely incredible. You know, first week I get to meet Hank Aaron. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And then you have some of the the all-time greats that you get to meet as well throughout the whole time frame. I mean, I grew up idolizing Griffey Jr. I mean, he epitomized what a true outfielder should be like. Reckless abandonment when it comes to catching the ball, meaning he's willing to sacrifice his own body to catch it. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege of playing next to him in spring training when I was with the Seattle Mariners in my final season. So did you guys ever have conversation, you and he? Um, you know, it was brief. I got a couple pictures, you know, some autographs and things of that sort. But, you know, our conversations weren't as long as I would have liked them to be. You know, I had a humbling situation where a clubhouse manager thought it wasn't in our best interest for minor league guys to be over there at the time not really knowing that I had big league time. And uh, Griffey Jr. and Adrian Beltre made sure that uh, that clubhouse manager definitely knew what was going on. You know, he came over and grabbed me, and he's like, how much big time, big league time do you have? And I was like, well, you know, I have my September call-up. And then he looked at the clubhouse guy, and he's like, how much time do you have? And he's like, none. Next time you tell guys who aren't big leaguers to get out of the clubhouse, you make sure you get yourself out of there too. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. That was definitely a, a highlight for me because, you know, I, I always felt that you have to earn it. And, you know, I didn't feel I earned it at the time. Yes, I was playing in big league games every day. But uh, at the same token, it's like, you know, these guys have been here for 12, 13 years. You know, I hope to be able to do that. And, you know, I got a taste of playing with big league guys back when I was in independent league playing with guys like Juan Gonzalez and Henry Rodriguez. I mean, our whole team had 16 ex-major leaguers. Pat Mahomes was on that team. Um, which, as you guys know, Kansas City Chiefs, Pat Mahomes, um, his father was actually on that team. And, you know, he played with the Mets. What was it like for your family, for your mom, uh, you know, your family? Once you hit the majors, what was it like for them? Well, I know we had a lot of family members coming out of the woodworks. My mom, you know, <laughs> every day was bombarded with newspaper articles and people calling, asking if they can get autographs and things of that sort. You know, my father, you know, being a former baseball player himself, he was definitely proud. He made his way out to uh, visit and, and come to games when he had an opportunity to do so when I was out in Houston. So, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure my family was definitely proud of what I was able to accomplish. And, you know, it was just a proud parent moment, I believe. 
easily said, and we got to your baseball career real quick, but real life, we know it doesn't really happen that fast. So let's go back a little bit. Back when you were a young man growing up and you had dreams, you know, this podcast is called Bulletproof and we spotlight and we share the stage or platform with people such as yourself, people who in life, they don't quit, they don't give up and they never stop working toward their dreams. What was that like for you in the early days? Well, in the early days, as some of my friends tell the story, so I'm only going to regurgitate what they say. You know, we had in Little League, you had those kids that hit home runs that were big, and then somehow or another, this midget was hitting just as many home runs as they were. And uh, that was myself. And, uh, you know, I was always told I was never going to be big enough, never going to be strong enough, never going to be able to. And, you know, I just love playing the game. So having, you know, a field in my backyard, I didn't come up with much. So, you know, we lived in low-income housing. But the great thing about low-income housing is it tends to be next to a park. Um, so I had the luxury of just having my bucket of balls and going outside and hitting and doing things every day. My brother was the same. You know, he would hit and do things with me. And he wasn't bad himself. Unfortunately, he got himself caught up in some of the things that – I did my due diligence to make sure that I could avoid. Um, but in any case, you know, going through high school, I managed to make our varsity team after breaking my arm playing football. So I thought my, my career was definitely over. And, you know, I walk into tryouts not being able to throw and only thing I can do is run and hit. And, you know, I had my head down the day we had our trials were done and they made the rosters and they posted it on the board. You know, I look on the freshman team. I'm not there. I look at the JV team. I'm not there. Well, you know, as a freshman, who makes varsity, right? So I didn't even look on that list. So I'm like sitting in my locker, like, what am I going to do now? My Brent friend came up to me. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, dude, I didn't even make a team. He's like, yeah, you did. I'm like I looked at JV. I looked at freshman. I'm not on there. He's like, dude, you're on varsity. What? So I go back and look at it and lo and behold, I'm sitting on the varsity list, which was, you know, I was elated at that point in time, but I was like, look, I don't like that feeling, so I'm definitely going to work hard. I was fortunate enough to have a sponsor who took care of some of the financial means that was needed for me growing up. Um, so, you know, you go to his office, you get to see my freshman through senior year of high school. You got pictures from every year, and he's got my high school diploma, and he's got the same for college, and along with my uh, my college diplomas as well. But um, then I get into my freshman year of college, not knowing where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. I end up having a scholarship to play at Pima College in Tucson, um, in which I broke some of the you know records there. My father held the stolen base record there, and I was able to bake, break his record. Um, I did had a phenomenal freshman year, hitting 327. But I was told by U of A, you're going to have to walk on. And you know, for me, it was like, all right, I think my career is going to be over. So then, you know, I just sat on my bed one night it was summer and it just had a little prayer that kind of hit me and it's like look God, whatever you want me to do just tell me what is going to be you know my career is going to be over now let it be what it is and let me just move on following day I go out I play in a baseball game I come back and I my great aunt um, who was living in my great grandmother's house uh, she says hey your coach called I was like I just left my coach why did he call She's like, well, he said for you to give him a call. So I look at the number and it says 480. And I'm like, I don't know anyone with a 480 number. So I call the no number and he's like, hey, this is Coach Rooney over at Arizona State. How are you doing today? I'm like, great. 
He's like, well, I was just giving you a call because, as you probably know, we had our draft and we lost a couple outfielders and we're looking to find some replacements. Would you like to come out and see the uh, university and see if this is a good fit for you? I was like, of course. Hold it right there because you ran, you just sped through a, a, a stop sign there <laughs> when it comes to a bulletproof point. We always train and we teach on the how something is going to happen is none of your business. You went and you played a baseball game. You came home and your aunt told you, your, your aunt said to you, your coach just called. Now, in your mind, that didn't make sense. However, being bulletproof, you were like, okay, I just left my coach. Why would he call me? Then on top of that, she hands you a telephone number with a 408 area code. That And you think to yourself, I don't know anybody with that area code. Most people, a lot of people would have stopped right there. A lot of people would have been like, this doesn't make sense. I'm not calling this number back. Blew it off and went on. But you didn't. Proving yourself to be bulletproof. And that's one of the things that we train and we teach people. To be bulletproof, you have to get out of your own way. You're going to be asked to do things that really don't really make sense. But you did it anyway. And because you did it anyway, now you're talking on the phone with a young man or with a coach from Arizona. So tell us about how that went. Oh, that 480 number was to Arizona State, and uh, Mike Rooney was the gentleman on the other end of it. He's like, hey, when can you get out here? I'm like, tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I've always dreamed of playing at ASU in the last few years. Arizona State had uh, some pretty good uh, teams. I mean, right now the head coach for Arizona State um, was actually playing. Willie Bloomquist was the years right before me. So I got to watch them in the College World Series. So in my mind, I'm like, this is a no-brainer. I know where I'm going. So I drive up there the next day. We do the little tour, and he looks at me and says, so what do you think, and you have any questions? I said, yeah, where do I sign? And uh, everything else is history. You know, there's some school records that I was able to make and break there. And, you know, it was a phenomenal time playing for Pat Murphy and, and that whole crew, Jay Safara and, and uh, Mike Rooney. And then we had our, our head coach, Jim Mancuso, who was the, our, our strength and conditioning coach, Jim Mancuso. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better group of guys. I think we had close to 13 guys that made it to the majors from that crew of guys. And even guys who got cut, like Andre Ethier, who was sent to a junior college, he came back and had phenomenal years. And he played in the big leagues for the Dodgers. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that with, from an experience standpoint. There's always a time on the Bulletproof Podcast where I ask all my guests this question. I'm going to ask you, can you share with us a time when you got the wind knocked out of you life-wise and it was something that you didn't see coming? It was something that it was bigger than you. It was that thing that would have stopped most people. It would have given most people the green light to quit. Something like that happened to you, I'm sure, within your career. You know, when you try to do things in a manner that is selfless, only to get slapped for it, I mean, you, that's it's a big thing. So, you know, I'm not mad at them for it. You know, they had their reasons. But I was cut by the Royals organization after being hurt for a little bit of time. And then it was, their claim was I was faking an injury. 
so much so that when I told them, hey, I'll do what I can to give the rest of the team a break. We're solidified in playoffs right now. We're guaranteed to go to playoffs. Let me just play in, in front of these guys so they can get a rest, so that he can go into it healthily, and I'll do the best that I can while I'm in there. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So that very night, um, I get told by one of the coaches, hey, we need to talk to you in the office. Um, and sure enough, I was released by the organization. And I was also told and informed by some of my teammates that, hey, there's a petition going around that you were faking your injuries, that you had, you know, some medical things that they that I had performed by an aunt by me that was allowing me to do things and so on and so forth. Long story short, I was flown out by Kansas City to visit their doctors only to find out that I had a severe high ankle sprain. I was not faking my injuries. And, you know, that was just a hard pill to swallow at that point in time that, you know, you put your heart and soul into a game only to have people go off of other people's words and saying that you're faking things and, not really actually talking to me. And, you know, it was just a hard pill to swallow. And so much so, I almost didn't go and try out for the independent league the next year. Um, but my wife at the time had suggested, hey, why don't you just go out, see how it goes, and, you know, let things take care of itself. So I went out to try out for a team called the Road Warriors, in which they only play road games. Um, and there was another team that was there that didn't have all their players. And they're like, hey, do you mind playing double duty? I was like, you're asking me if I can play baseball for 18 uh, innings? Of course I can. I have no problem with that. So one team I would DH for, the other one I would play the field. And long story short, I end up with the Long Island Ducks. Great team that I was with. We had a good playoff run. I was one of the league leaders that year in stolen bases and in uh, batting average. Um, and then the next season, I was picked up by the Milwaukee Brewers and playing in the big leagues. So, you know, it was a blessing in disguise. You never know what you're going to get. But, uh, you know, when you stay in prayer and you do things like that and you live your life that you feel abundant with, um, great things tend to happen. And if you just continue to work with what you have and not worry about what the world thinks and what the world can bring, opportunities present themselves. And I just leave it all in God's hands. You mentioned the word prayer. How important is prayer to you within your you know, life? I, I wake up every day with it. You know, one, I, I thank God for the opportunities that I have. Um, I thank God for just controlling the things that I can't control, keeping my mind pure in terms of just knowing that I have to be that optimistic person that things will, it will write themselves. Um, so, you know, I have a daily devotional that my father had given to me for Christmas this past season. So that, or this past year that I, I use and, you know, I'm constantly in the world word daily and just making it a part of my life because it is my life. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have anything. Absolutely. We truly understand that there's greatness in all of us and Bulletproof, the podcast being a faith-based platform, we put God first in everything that we do and we know that God don't make no junk. And so he allowed you to exercise your greatness on the baseball field. What does Mel 2023, what does that Mel look like right now? What are you doing? Right now, I am uh, doing my personal training uh, with kids and adults alike. I have young budding athletes that are, you know, 
trying their hand at professional sports, that I'm helping guide them to the pitfalls that tend to present themselves. You know, you have your naysayers who say you're not going to make it. You're trying to help them mentally deal with those aspects of things. I mean, this morning I just finished working with a seven and eight year old who are basketball players. And then I have some young baseball players. The youngest one I work with is five years old, you know, teaching them the fundamentals of how to have fun with this game to not worry about what the world pressures are going to be. And then I have some of them that are professional right now playing with the San Diego Padres and other organizations that are out there. So I've been blessed to have a business that has allowed me to do travel and to positively impact young athletes budding and trying to do things. But then I also have adults who have had an opportunity to just basically learn things that they've never learned because they didn't have a coach or a person in their life that was positive enough to help them understand what their bodies are capable of doing. You know, I, I've met a young lady that um, definitely has brought a whole new world to my life. You know, when you go into prayer and you ask God to bring certain things in your life and she shared something to me, you know, last week when I was with her, she's like, you know what, I had a prayer, bring a man in my life that's going to bring joy and bring me closer to you and you know we've we've had a closeness that is definitely eye-opening and you know I, I can't say it enough you know being in prayer can definitely answer the things that you need and want in life and sometimes we just have to be willing to sit back and wait and you know fortunately for me I was able to meet her and you know that's a blessing and my job is a blessing and being able to travel is a blessing I mean you can't ask for anything better than that. You are a great guy. It was a blessing meeting you, how we met and the way we met. And the reason we met is to have the opportunity to have you share your greatness here on the Bulletproof Podcast, which is an awesome thing. I always give my guests the opportunity to take a moment and talk directly to people that are listening. If you had a personal message, something that you wanted to share with people worldwide that you think will help them on their journey, what would it be? So at this point, I'm going to yield the floor to you. You know, biggest thing I say is try to figure out a way to live a life of abundance. You know, there's too much negativity in this world. There's too much trying to keep up with the Joneses. There's too much that's going on where people are trying to live for others. You know, we've been given a guidebook that basically will help us understand and maneuver the world. It doesn't matter what age you're in, whether you're in the prehistoric or you're in the current now. We have been given what we need to survive, you know, um, and if you can consistently stay in prayer and consistently be true to yourself as to who you want to be and what you want to represent, life as itself will always be abundantly giving you the things that you need, want, and desire. Um, you know, for me, I have always been in prayer that helps me decide on certain things, and if it's not prayer that I'm searching and going to to be able to get that, I'll always go to the book itself. And when you sit in the Bible and you have the ability to just sit and meditate on those things, you'll always have your answers. It may not be the one you want, but it definitely gives you the direction you need. Listen, if someone wanted to reach out to you for your services, do you have website information, phone number information? How could they do that? Well, I currently do not have a website any longer. Um, but I still do have my Facebook, so it's Mel Stalker 52 You can find it on Facebook. I will always post about my business on there. My Instagram is pretty much the same. Um, so you can see all posts, all things that I offer. Yes, I'm back and forth between all cities, but if you really want to get a hold of me, 
best thing you can do is call me via cell phone. My cell phone number is 850-630-5884. I always answer, but I do have a 9 and 9 rule, which means I won't call you after 9 p.m. and I won't answer you before 9 a.m. So um, do keep that in mind if you do reach out. Awesome stuff, sir. And it was great having you on the Bulletproof podcast today. You are a giant among us, and we're just going to tell you to keep going, man. Don't give up, which I know you won't. Don't stop. Appreciate the opportunity to share my word. Guys, you know we do this this podcast. It goes all over the world, and we're so excited to be able to bring it to you each and every week with a different giant sharing their Bulletproof stories. You know what it means. It means with Bulletproof, what? We never quit. With Bulletproof, we never stop. With Bulletproof, we never give up because we truly understand that true success is based on laws and not luck. You guys have a great day today. And remember, in all you're getting, get Bulletproof. <laughs>